Nehemiah, man. We're going to look at Nehemiah. God is doing a new thing. And we're going to talk about the city being restored, um, which Zerubbabel started and um, in the context of our history here of Nehemiah. And we're going to talk about the outer walls being fortified, a temple being rebuilt, which if you read the book of Ezra, which comes before Nehemiah, it used to be really canoned with one, as one book. Um, but now in our modern age, it's two separate books, Ezra and Nehemiah. Um, they both show up you know, in name in both of the books. And then Nehemiah finding out that the outer city walls had been destroyed and, by fire and, and basically on an edict of this king, Artaxerxes, who is he's the one that he has to go to to try to get permission to build it. Is it from the guy who got a bad report from these uh, trans-Euphrates governors who basically said, this is not going to work. And trust me, these aren't just fly-by-night governors. Like, we have a four-year vote, you know, in, in Utah. Let's vote another governor in. No, these guys had been in power, Sambalot, for over 200 years in his family. That is a long time. That's entrenched leadership. Do you know that we face entrenched leadership all the time in the dark side? But we have victory over him through the power of God. But we're not going to talk about temples. You know, God, you think God's going to come down and save a temple? And God comes down and he goes, hey, I saved the adventure building. Sorry for you guys. You know, like this is some kind of temple, just sheetrock and carpet and wood and steel studs. This is nothing to save. What God's going to save is the people in us. So, so say it with me. Say, we are the temple. Okay, now, put your hand on somebody's shoulder, say it again, and say, we are the temple. Say, no, just keep your hand there. Don't worry. You don't have to get, don't get sexual, please. <laughs> just put your hand on there, and then just say, you're a living stone, I'm a living stone. We're stones together. <laughs> we're not, we're stone together. You get an ex-partier pastor and he draws all the terrible people of the city. Listen, we are the temple, but guess what? We're also a city. We are a church. We are a representation. We're not exclusive like it's just us. We are embracing the city. We're the only organization that's not built just to serve itself. And not just for profits. Like, oh, let's serve them so they buy our product. It's a blessing that we give away. That's why they're, it's called the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're gifts. They're done by grace. They're an influence to the world. Now, before I read here in Nehemiah, building a dream here, I'm just going to give a, just a little history so we get a, 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 on the same page. And I'm not as long as I did last time. But the Israelites had already been displaced by bad leadership. And then they got overcome by the Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar, who destroyed Jerusalem and destroyed the temple. After that, the Persians came in and King Cyrus, who was prophesied 250 years earlier by name, by Isaiah, and then they also prophesied Jeremiah and Daniel that there'd be 70 years of captivity by the Babylonians. At that 70th year, this Persian king comes in exactly and gives an edict that this temple of this the scattered people is going to be restored. This scattered people that has no name now, 
No identity, no army, no teamwork. They're basically an isolated, scattered group, and God's bringing them back to build something. And that's what we are. In 1 Peter, it says we've been scattered. The scattered sheep, and God's bringing them back. This is good news, amen? Because he is the, path, the shepherd of the flock. And that means God is taking care of us. Now, then we get Zerubbabel restoring he, from the edict, Zerubbabel, uh, Zerab, Zerubbabel, sorry, Zerubbabel and um, um, Ezra restore the city and the people back, and then they restore the temple. But before the walls are finished, the local leaders complain from trans-Euphrates, and the king, this Artaxerxes, makes an edict, and basically they go way past his edict, and they just bring destruction to it. Now, imagine that you have all these gates and there is, you know, the, you know, the fountain gate and the sheep gate and the dung gate and then the valley gate. And all these gates are there spread out, but there's no wall in between these gates. Meaning that what those gates lead into, what they represented and what the wall that separated them means that they were open to the attack of the enemy. And I'm going to get more specific about what types of enemies that those gates were meant symbolically to protect, which God means for us to understand that this is what he's protecting in us. Okay, so let me read now. Nehemiah is now, we're getting chapter two. I'm going to read last week so we get right on the same page. And then we're going to finish the rest of chapter two. Now, here it is. He's heard that they've had problems. Four months go by. Nehemiah hears that they have problems back in Jerusalem, back where the temple is. So he's in in, um, Susa, this Persian um, capital, where he's serving the king, and he gets this burden. It takes him four months, but through prayer, he finally goes to that king, and he says, you got to basically let my people go. And I said last week, and I hope you get it, go big or go home. Amen? Amen. Say it with me. Go big or go home. And I hope, because God gave me opportunity this week to act on my own sermon, um, because the sermon's always for me too. In fact, it's more for me. God God makes you a pastor because you're stupider than everyone else, and you have to listen to it 10 times while you guys only have to listen to it once. I got to listen to it like 20 times, you know, and God's going, okay, now they can just listen to it once. They're all ready to go. That's how it is so many times. At least I feel that way. Okay, so he goes to the king, and here we go. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th century of King Artaxerxes, I'm just going to read it, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, hey, why does your face look sad when you're not ill? This cannot be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid. But I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lives in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven. Say it with me. Go big or what? Go big or go home. When you have no other place to go, And you've got to go to this one place. And it's the only place that progress is. It doesn't matter how many times you go round and round. You could skirt with God and 
play games with God. And if God's going, you got to confess this, you got to say this, you got, he, he's pointing you to one thing. Stop wasting your time. Why waste five years? Just do what God's showing you to do. He'll, you can hear his voice behind you. He'll tell you a little to the right, to the left. Listen to his voice. Shut your ears to the world and say, Lord, what are you telling me? And do that. Go big or go, go home. Now, I answered. I'm going to go this in just a second here. I answered the king. If it pleases the king, and here's him going for it, if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors, my fathers are buried so I can rebuild it. Understand, he's going to ask the enemy king who's got him captive, you send me with your world kingdom authority and you pay for it all and help me build the city. In fact, can you get me the best wood? And I'm going to need a place to stay can I have the royal trees for my estate? How many think this is boldness? Come on, this is what I love about Nehemiah. There's so many people that are just, you know, I don't know if I could really do this. Sometimes you just got to go big or you got to go home. Amen? And then, so he basically gets to that point, and then here we go, and he says, and because the gracious hand of my God was on me, this is how we finished last week, the king granted my request. You know, we talked about this year being a year of prayer because God granted my request because his gracious hand was on me. That's why it happened. It happened in the throne room. It happened. We, we have access to the throne room now. We, I'm speaking from the throne room, not from the, the, this station. I, I have the power of the Lord upon me. Not because I'm anything great. I have access through the cross. Amen? Amen. Turn to someone and say, so do you. Okay, and this is is what's so important. And now, here are the points that I'm going to make today. Nehemiah is, first of all, a man of action. He's not just a talker. He's not, we're going to try to do this, we're going to get this going, it's like that, and one day I'd like to start this thing, and we're going to go. He does it. He's action-oriented. The second one, he's heart-driven. He's cause-driven. He isn't just going, that's a good idea. Well, it's a job, you know, so here's a career. So many people are chasing career paths for the dollar. Listen, you don't think if you listen to God and follow what he tells you to do, he won't provide for you? If you are in the will of God, you will be provided for. But he'll test you. He'll let you feel like you're not to know if you're serious. And there are times where you just go, oh, man, I'm not sure if the provision's there, but God told me, so I'm going to go with it. And all of a sudden, God goes, you got it right. Your heart's in the right place. Boom, he opens provision. But he waits. He waits until you're ready to go. And then number three is he is results-oriented. This is what's awesome about Nehemiah. He's, he's not looking to just get out there and go, all right, let's get out there. Let's do some stuff. Let's show that we tried. We're probably not going to win here, but, you know. No, he's going to get it until he wins. Committed. All right, number one, let's get right to it. Nehemiah, man of action. Verse nine. So he gets it. He gets the authority from the king. He gets an army and cavalry with him. He, so he gets some support. And he, gets the, he knows the gracious hand of God is upon him. 
Now does he sit there and pray for the next six months? Let's pray and pray and pray. Remember when Joshua, and he's praying before the, the, the Lord's soldier, the Lord's angel, and he's going to this angel, and he goes, oh, I just want to come before you. And the, and the Lord just goes, get up. Don't you love it when God tells you to stop praying? Because <laughs> you got to get your, get your butt out of the chair, and you got to move. Right? Lord, I'm going to evangelize to those people. Okay, go ahead. And I just want to lift them up to you. Lord, they have brown hair. I know you know that. <laughs> Lord, I don't know what burdens they have. Why don't you go find out? Well, Lord, you know. I don't know. That's why I want you to go over there. Yeah, but Lord, I just want to wait. Because those who wait on the Lord will be renewed. You, you can't quote scripture at God when he's telling you something else, <laughs> by the way. Have you noticed that? You try to find some other scripture that you think will work with God to undermine what he's saying to you. I want you to do that. Yeah, but Jesus wept, Lord. I'm not going to have a good attitude. (laughs) That is pretty funny. (laughs) Write that down. It's going to my book someday. Just kidding. I went to the governors. He went. It's like our command is go. He gets the command. He's ready. It's like right there. I got it. I got the authority. I prayed. I went for the king. To the king, I, I went big and I got it. And then I went. And look where he goes. He says he goes right to the governors of Trans Euphrates. It's like, can you imagine Nehemiah? This, these leaders have been entrenched for centuries in their posts, conquering places. Sambalot is from the Achaemenid uh, Empire within the Greater Iran. He's been a ruler of great stature. And here he goes. And and Nehemiah, right when he gets it, it's like, all right, here it is. Let my people go. Oh, if the church itself, we know in the New Testament that God didn't just put his spirit in a few people, but he put it in all the people. Amen? God put it. if If you know the Lord, he's put his spirit in you. Females, guess what? He put it in you. Females, rise up. Amen? Amen. But there is a time where you need to rise up. And sometimes, man, it's like push the female down so you look better. Don't push your wife down to look better. Rise up on your own. Look better before the Lord's eyes. Make a difference. Amen? Listen, he says, the king had also sent army officers and cavaliers with me. We have the king's letters. We got to go forward with it. We've got to take action with it. We have the scriptures and its promises. I have met through the years so many talkers. It's, it's almost like you just got to shut it off. Yeah, well, just wondering, you know, like that. Hey, stop talking about it. Do something about it. Take action. I don't care if you fail 20 times. I admire people who fail 100 times much more than people just sit there. I'm going to say Amen. And I'm telling you, God has put something on your heart. And you will be surprised because you might think all kinds of people are stopping you. They're stopping me, and this person's stopping me, and that's stopping me, and this is stopping me. No, it's not. You're stopping you. The minute you step forward, you will see that the power of the Lord will go with you. And you will be shocked at how much he's been wanting you to do this. And all the lost time, he will make it up in weeks. Where all of a sudden you're going, man, because the unrighteousness of the world and the unrighteousness of our disobedience seems like it's big and powerful. 
But can I tell you, the little right, just a little bit of God's righteousness beats that in seconds. He restores like that and redeems. That's why I talked about my family. And men of action do draw conflict. Here we go. Because t- trust me, no action, no conflict. Safe. No, the enemy is not going to come into your house and going, I want to, s- let's mess with his remote control. <laughs> let's mess with his television so it doesn't work. Are you kidding me? He's going to go, buy a bigger one. Buy a larger one. Get a remote connected to your brains, whatever television show you want. It'll automatically change to it. Oh, that's what I wanted to watch. And I'm not against TV, guys. I'm not, I like TV. I like movies. I like all those things. But not at the detriment. It's, it's times when you're recreating. Your, it's recreation. You need recreation in your life. It shouldn't be your mission, television. Amen? How is it Amen. It's a different mission. Sanballat the Horonite. By the way, you've got to get a new name, Sanballat. Sanballat the Horonite. <laughs> that is not a good name. I'm sorry. <laughs> like Sanballat Van Rie would have been nice. Sanballat Smith. Sanballat Hunter. There are so many good names. Why Horonite? You've been a leader for so long. Change it. <laughs> The ironic thing is his name does have meaning, and it means literally sin gives life from the nether. And nether is the bottom place. Sin gives power at its roots. And and trust me, you might think, and I might think, oh, it's just him. The, The deception of sin is when it starts to work in your life and you start to feel its captive power, it'll tell you, you need this. You need this. I, I will help you. I will help you. I know it's wrong, but it, I'll help you succeed. That's the subtlety of it is. Sin gives life from the nether, from the, from the deepest place. It is the source of power rather than Christ who is the life, the source of all power, the way, the truth, the life. All right. Tobiah, he's the governor of Ammon. And by the way, that's Ammon is one of Lot's sons all the way down there in area north of, of Judah. And this is going to be fun, guys. We're going to have fun over these couple weeks. I hope you stay with it because you will get so blessed. This conflict's going to escalate all the way to chapter 6. Sambalot, the Oronite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite official, heard about this. They were very much disturbed. Like, it totally bugged these guys that someone had come to promote the welfare of these Israelites. Like, who cares about these stupid Israelites? They have nothing but problems. You know, the worship we have of ourselves and our power is just going to be diminished. The money's not going to go to our stuff and what we want to build for ourselves. And you know, it's like these empires. We have empires like that in our world. And everybody's money goes to these empires rather than to the things of the kingdom. And, and it's kind of like it, they're bugged about it that someone would promote them. But I love Nehemiah. It's not going to slow him down. And he said, I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, and let me make this point right here. It's the same scripture. Nehemiah is heart-driven. Say it with me, heart-driven. Say man of action. But he's not just action. He's action driven by cause. Heart-driven by God. God laid it on my heart, he says. You know, the gracious hand of God was upon me. I saw the burden and I prayed. 
It's this, it's, nothing's going to stop Nehemiah. This is the determination. It's like, this is going to happen. It's not selfish ambition. It's God has this for me. He goes, I went to Jerusalem after staying there three days, which is exactly like Ezra. It's a parallel scripture. What's happened with Ezra is happening with him. Three days, the same thing. By the way, Jesus was buried there for three days. Amen? This three days is a very significant number. I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. He kept it secret. He didn't tell any of the leaders. And he, he just hit just a few of his core team. And, and I was thinking about this. He says, I had a few others with me. It's so important that you have a core team around you. People that you can trust, people that you can count on. You know, even Jesus had kind of the three that stuck with him. I'll go there. You guys go with me. And, and, and God wants us to build allies in the body of Christ. And he's going to mobilize out of that. Okay, and then he says, it's not up there, but the scripture continues, there are no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. And then he says, by night, I went through the valley gate toward the jackal wall and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Now, Nehemiah is heart-driven, and he's affected by this ground zero. He's at a ground zero place. This is where it's all started. We had the tent of meeting, then we had that first temple built by Solomon, and then the decay of the kingdom, no power. And now you have scattered families all over with no direction, no purpose, no airship, no legacy. There are so many of us that come out and we go, what's our legacy? What's our airship? What, what, what did we inherit? What, what power are we bringing forth? Well, let the legacy start with you. Amen. I I know my parents and I know me. I did the best I could. I say to my kids, take it to a new level. Let my life look diminished compared to what God would do through you. Right? It doesn't have to be in the same scope and arena that I play in. It has to be what God made you to be. Amen? Now listen, this valley gate, if you looked at the, if you were looking at it, do I have a picture of this one here? Yeah, I have a little bit of picture here and then I'll bring it back. But you'll, you'll look here on the scripture. This valley gate is basically on one side if you look through the temple area here and then there are a series of gates with no connecting walls bringing protection. That valley gate opens up right into what we call the valley of Hinnon. It is a place of sorrows and trials. Jesus goes through it before the time, before he goes into the Kidron Valley of the time where he is um, uh, crucified. So it has significant meaning. It's a place of trials. It's where they would put the, the, the dead bodies and the refuse would go in there, which would also go through the dung gate, but into this valley of Hinnon. And this is a place of sorrows. Imagine that the, the gates there and the gates there, but the no wall. You have all trials and all sorrows and all refuse and stuff going into your life with no protection. And, and it's like, this is how it is in our lives. It's like, you know what it's like to be with the Lord. You've gone through the hardest trial of your life. And yet at the end, you go, I still sense his power. Somehow he restores me in the midst of it. This is the power of God. That, that well in the midst of Hinnon, it, it, that jackal well, is the, is the well that we see in the New Testament called the Pool of Siloam. 
It's, the, it's where the, the, the guy who can't see and the, the, the cripple coming to Jesus go, I can't make my way to the pool. That's that same area right there. It's that same water well. It's like the jackals. They would roam the land looking for those that had scattered too far or those that had died, they would, they would go after them, just like the pariah of today, even in that same area. And then the Dungate. What a killer name. That's the name of a band, right? I don't know. It just sounds like a name of a band to me. The, the refuge, all the junk of the village of Jerusalem would go, would be emptied through the refuge, and it would be basically burned, and then the smoke of it, the wind would take it out through the valley of Hinnon, and it would scatter the aroma out away from the holiness of where they were. This was its symbolic stuff. And I don't know about you, but I feel like I've had times in my life where I've lived in the Dungate. How many know exactly what I'm talking about? You know, it's like, you know, I don't know, just I picture saliva coming out of your mouth, and you know what I mean? You're internally, emotionally broken, and you can't get out of it. You're in the dung gate. God wants to restore the walls. How many say amen? amen. We are going to be talking about this because God has some incredible advice in, in this. Then I moved on, and I'm not going to name every gate because we're going to cover this later. I moved on toward the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through. So he basically gets off his horse, he starts to walk around, and he says, so I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered to the valley gate. Now, this guy is determined. Imagine him, he, he's coming through, he gives a letter to the governors. Then at night, without telling anybody, he goes, okay, we're going to inspect this place. So he gets down there, there's enemies encamped, and you're going to see war is going to break out. They're going to be building this wall under fire. They're, they're literally going to have people there armed at all places. And at first, there's nobody there before Nehemiah gets there. They're all scattered and hiding. And they switch to offense. And in a short amount of time, with God's blessing, they build provision and impact and influence to the world where we're talking about it right now. You would not believe the incredibleness of this. And here he is coming at night, creeping through the gates and going, oh, let's check this out. This is what it's going to take to build this. And then going to the next place and going, ah, structurally, this is what we need to do. We need to get this going. He's going all the way through it, examining the wall, determined. He's heart-driven. Nothing is going to stop Nehemiah. Now, the officials, it says in verse 16, didn't know where he'd gone. He's talking about the officials and also his own people. They didn't know what I was doing or what I was doing. But as yet, I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests. So he didn't go to them and go, guess what we're going to do? We're going to build this. He didn't say any of that. He just examined it, and then he's about to tell him. He says, I didn't tell the Jews or the priests or the nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. So he knew they were going to be mobilized. He knew that they were going to build this. He knew that they were going to part. This is going to happen, and it's going to happen through him, them, and do I hear an amen? Amen. This is the mighty thing. God's hand, when God's working in stuff, in restoration, he's already working behind you. He's going to give you the resources. He's going to give you the connections that you need. He's going to surround you with the leaders that you need. He's going to give the mentoring you need. He's going to give you the letters of authority that you need. And God's going to take care of those details, but you have got to step up. You cannot shrink back and watch it happen. 
It's not a television show. And I mention this with these computer games and these little, you know, these Xbox and stuff, and they're fun to play. I love it. I've made a living making games for years, and I get it. And you get this little character who's conquering the world. But it's just a game. It's not a real boy. Right? There's times where you've got to get the remote control on your real avatar. Hi. I am Eric, the avatar. I will now be actually living real life. And if I die, I don't get another life. Oh, actually, I do. It's called eternal life. Amen? And God wants us to live in this. And I know, listen, I know people who risk it all, all the time. I know risk takers. And I've seen risk takers fail. You know what risk takers do? They get up and do it again. You know why? Because they're heart-driven. They're driven by the passion of it. You know, I, I know people who start businesses didn't come in, they start again. It's the way it is. And may you hear the Lord's voice. May the Lord's voice be louder this time so you don't sway too much to the right or too much to the left. The Lord says, my voice is right behind you. And I had somebody who gave me a scripture this week and it was exactly all the words I'd gotten for the last 15 years, but in one paragraph. I mean, in one email, and they didn't realize it. <sighs> Listen, Nehemiah is results-oriented. This is my last point, and then I'll close. Can I hear amen? amen. <sighs> then I said to them, this is him. He goes to them, finally. He's got all the officials. He's got all the priests, gather all the people. All right, you guys, listen. You see the trouble we're in. Let me repeat it. Do you guys see the trouble you're in? Do you see the little impact that the church makes in the world? Do you see it? Do you see the potential of what we can become? But do you see the obstacles? How many see the obstacles? Come on, raise your hand high. You say, I see the obstacles. How many see the obstacles in your family? Raise your other hand. Okay, listen. Jerusalem lies in ruins. Keep your hand up. You can't be that tired and that wimpy. Seriously, you can't be. <laughs> Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we'll no longer be in disgrace. Let's go on the offense. How many say amen? Yeah. Amen. Turn to someone to say amen. Yeah. Now, amen. Hallelujah to the Lord. Nehemiah sees the problems, he sees the obstacles, and he doesn't do what every typical American does. He doesn't start a talk show and start complaining about it. <laughs> Seriously, with all the energy, how many people sit on their TV? No offense to Fox News, CNN, and all these other channels. You sit and listen to the complaints. Why don't you represent the life of the church, which is the hope of the world? Put your energy that you're not doing anything, just sitting here. How empowered is this? Oh, now I'm watching this, and now I'm watching that, and I can't believe I'm so mad about all this stuff. Well, maybe it's time to actually be the solution. You know, people complain the education system isn't that good. Change it. I don't like how the city is. Change it. I don't like how businesses run. Change it. I don't like how families are done. Change it. I don't like the influence of the world, the lack of mentors. Be a mentor. I don't, think, I don't have any friends. Be a friend. Be the difference maker. 
This is our destiny. This is what we're supposed to do. This is normal for us. There is so, so much fear binding people that you, you won't see it. You can't just talk about it. You can't just hear me talking about it. You have got to take steps out yourself. And you've got to risk things and you've got to lose a little bit to win. And they have gone through all kinds of loss and they're at a turning point. It's the hardest thing right now because he sees the problem. It's so obvious to him. He sees the obstacles, but he will change them. Do you want to be a Nehemiah in your own personality? A Nehemiah, you, God is on your side. He's going to be with them. And look at Nehemiah. Look at him promise. And I also told them, guess what, you guys? The gracious hand of my God is on me. And what the king has said to me, the king's on our side. God worked that out. He's on our side. Are you ready to go for it? And I'm telling you, and I'm saying to our church, are you ready to embrace? It's okay, crying, it's normal. You know what? Are you ready to embrace what God has? Are you ready? Are you ready to embrace what God has? Because we cannot go slow. When God begins to open doors around us, we need to be ready to move. I have no idea what God's going to do. But I can tell you this, God is going to move. Are you ready? Men, women, are you ready to mobilize your family? Are you ready to mobilize it? Kevin left for the Philippines in a heartbeat. And I'm not saying we're sending you to the Philippines, but you need to be ready to go or be mobilized here in whatever the Lord has you. And it may not be what you think you could do. My daughter would always be afraid of coming up here talking. But guess what? How many think she did pretty good? Come on. Okay, and just to build her confidence, Becca, you're preaching next week. <laughs> and I want you to know this as we get to this. This is the, the last line. I got one line after here, his answer, but listen here as we close. When Sambalot the Oronite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and now they've added a new character, Geshem the Arab. Geshem, by the way, means to rain like showers. And this guy and these guys are going to be a thorn in the flesh to, through chapter 6. And guess what? He says, they heard about it and they mocked and ridiculed. <laughs> it's never going to happen. There's no way you're going to build that. It's not going to happen. And it is so easy to be like a dog and let the tail go between your legs and just kind of go on. And I have felt that before, but not this time. But it shall not be this day for you Lord of the Rings fans. But it shall not be days. It'll be at times when the, when the bonds of fellowship will break, but it shall not be this day. Amen? And then they mocked and ridiculed because what we're doing will never make sense to the world. doesn't make sense to the world, but it will make sense to us. When I tell you we gotta, you find a little place to serve, and you're going, serving? How's that going to help? I need to build a big empire and start investing and make contacts with people, make connections. Really? Well, I have seen, I, I, think, I think God has made me into a powerful person. And, he, and, and I really believe God's going to make me an influencer. And you know what his remedy for me was? Serving. 
And you know, Jesus Christ was King of kings, Lord of lords in the flesh. And he says, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Serving doesn't look powerful, but it becomes powerful. Amen? All right. Are you rebelling against the king? What are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Final scripture. And I love Nehemiah's answer. Let it be yours. And then I'm going to have you put your hands down and I'm going to have you respond to this message to God. By just you and him. I answered them by saying this. And that's it. This is where it is. What's your answer to the doubts? What's your answer to the mocking? What's your answer to the ridiculing? What's your answer to the no, it's not going to happen? What's your answer to I stood up before and nothing's happened? And you sat down again. What's the answer? What's you going to answer this? How are you going to answer this? Because I love Nehemiah. He answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. Amen. And Jody will tell you, the very first, the very, right when we got here, we had a pastor who'd been here a long time. He had been hurt for, through several years. And he's not here anymore. But when he, he was one of the first people that we talked to, came out to Utah. We didn't know anyone in Utah. We talked to this pastor. He looked, he looked at me and Jody and he sized us up and he said, you know what? And like, what? And he goes, you guys are never going to make it here. And, and I, remember, I remember the Lord rising up in my spirit. And I kicked his... No, I didn't. <laughs> and I turned the other cheek. No. I, I, I looked at him and I said, you know what? I don't believe that God called me here to fail. God called me here to win. And I don't care how it looks and I don't care how we look. You know? I don't care if you don't like my loser t-shirts. There's a lot of people chuckling out there. <laughs> and I said, but you know what? We're going to succeed because God wants us to succeed. And he looked at me and he goes, oh, you're called. Well, then you'll do well. And I could just tell he had been through so many people who just goes, well, I'm just going to go to Bible college and become a pastor because I got a diploma. Listen, don't become anything because diplomas don't mean much. I'll tell you what, man, they do mean a lot if God calls you to do something and be something. I don't want to discount education that has great value. But you know what? If God calls you, all the original apostles were unschooled, ordinary men. And God can use you. And I'm telling you, when I talked to Kevin just four or five years ago, six years ago, there is no way on earth you would ever imagine that God would call him out there. Am I right? Am I right about that? You'd go, you ain't never going to make nothing. (laughs) And now his passion scares me. I love it. Amen. You got people around you whose passion for the Lord scares you? Do you? Do you? Yes or no? Good. I want you to become a scary Christian too. (laughs) Amen? We, his servants, will start rebuilding, but as for you, listen to the enemies who are entrenched as enemies. You have no share in Jerusalem. You don't have any claim. You don't have any historic right to it. You know why we do? 
It's through that cross. And we have a historic right and a calling by God. Nehemiah, man of action, heart-driven, results-oriented. Why don't you close your eyes? Let's respond to God because you're going to respond to God positively or negatively. Listen, you hear, you've heard my voice. I feel like I've been a faithful pastor, not perfect in all my ways, but faithful for seeing and calling you to a truth. I don't have an action plan that you can sign up afterwards. So now that you say yes to God, here's what you're going to do. There will come a day when God will show us that. But right now, you're a person that says, Lord, I am ready to take action. I am ready to answer the cause of my heart. Lord, and not at the exclusion of other causes. Your cause isn't the only cause, by the way. If you see the body of Christ, it's diverse. There's a lot of things God's interested in. But you're going to go by the cause, and you're going to be results-oriented. No more just talk. No more just busyness. Busyness with getting it done. Get the job done. Get the task done. Start the business right. If you're going to have family time, have it. You know, if you want to do a date night, do it. Don't talk about it. You know, if you're going to commit, if you're going to tell your wife you love her, say it with your mouth. Get results. Say the truth. If you want to hang with your kids or you love your kids and tell them, tell them. Answer the call of God. If you say you're going to serve in the life of the church, which you should, make yourself available now. Don't talk about it. Do it. And Father, we lift up ourselves. And if that's you, if you just answer that, just say, Lord, I am going to be my own Nehemiah. If that's you, we just respond to God by just standing up, raising your hands to God and say, Lord, I answer I answer you. I answer the action of response. The pastors have led us here. We're not, we're not the leaders of the church. God is the leader of the church. But we're under shepherds in the flock. Father, we, I lift up the people available to you. Lord, you have amazing things. I know that. I see it in a prophetic eye. Lord, there is many of us who have persevered over years, some of you decades, some of you even three decades. And you've struggled through and you said, Lord, where is the promised land? And the Lord says, the time is now. The time of my deliverance is at hand. Be ready to move for Egypt will be in your rearview mirror. But I will take you to the waters and I will part. I will bring you to a place of promise and you will enter it and dwell in the land and become an influence of greater proportion that you would ever imagine. And Lord, we answer the call in the name of Jesus Christ. We look upon you. We know the Sambalot and Tobias are around us. We know that they'll doubt us, they'll mock us, they'll ridicule us, but our hope is in the Lord. And I say, Jesus, we put our trust in you. We put our hope in you. In Jesus' name, can you say amen? If you, how many got something from the Lord today? Come on. Let's thank, can you thank them? Thank you, Lord.